Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, yeah, Benny. Got a bit of a problem here. I'm um I'm stuck in cruise control. I went and saw Neil Finn a couple of years ago. He was on the piano, he was tinkling around, and he goes, anyone here like to get up on stage and play piano with me? This guy at the side goes, oh yeah, I'll have a go. Oh. So he gets him up. Yes. And then he goes, have you ever played piano before? And he goes, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh, well, do you know where a C is? He goes, nah. He goes, oh, well, that one there, that's a C. Show him. Just keep pressing that one. <laughs> Just keep pressing that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Bon Jovi sound checking. <gasps> we got to see this. Yes. So we went out into the arena area and this manager dude comes running up to us going, hey, what are you doing? We're like, well, it's okay. We're in the support band. He goes, yeah, exactly. No one watches Bon Jovi soundcheck. We're like, oh, yeah. Okay. But then we hear, um, you know, like the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah. It was John. Gets in the mic and he goes, the kids can stay. We're like, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who did their very first rock palace there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singing back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview-style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, The Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. This is episode 50. Just a couple of weeks shy of the big one-year anniversary. It's so cool. Thanks so much to all my guests who have uh, joined me and given me their time over this uh, past year uh, and joined me on this journey to get up to 50 episodes of The Art of Touring. Um, As an independent podcaster man uh, with only my own personal pages to get this podcast out there and share it with the world, I really appreciate all the guests for sharing their episode each week with their fan base and their friends and their family. It really makes a lot of difference and it really means a lot. If you are a regular listener of the show, thanks for coming with me on this podcast journey. And if you're a brand new listener to the podcast, I hope you stick around and listen each week there's a backlog of some amazing guests and amazing stories so feel free to go through the archives and listen back to some of the previous guests now let's get on to this week this week on the podcast i caught up with dave leslie founding member and guitar player for australian rock legends the baby animals massive shout out to rusty from electric mary for getting me this uh getting me this contact with Dave. Uh, it was wonderful to interview him. And as you'll hear in this week's episode, Dave reminisces about his time touring with Van Halen, a little band you may have heard of, and uh, how before the show, Ed would go and visit the baby animals in their dressing room. And sometimes outstay his welcome. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app with your Android device. And remember, Art of Touring is a part of the A Lot of Green podcast network. And you can check out all their other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. 
There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then uh, once they're dropped off at the play centre, put Art of Turing back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode 50 of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Austin Powers and his swinging school of pickup lines. Are you looking to improve your love game? Are you nervous around the opposite sex? Then enroll now in Austin Powers' swinging school of pickup lines, where you'll learn the ancient art of seducing even the most stubborn of ladies. From the direct approach to the more seductive slow ride, Austin will guide you through the jungles of love and you'll come out the other side with confidence and sex appeal only an international man of mystery could deliver. (laughs) How does a hot chick like you end up working at the Ministry of Defence? Well, um, I went to Oxford where I excelled in several subjects, but I ended up specialising in foreign languages. You know, I really wanted to travel. You know, sort of see the world. That's fascinating, Vanessa. Listen, why don't we go in the back and shag? What? I've been frozen for 30 years. I've got to see if my bits and pieces are still working. Excuse me? My wedding tackle. I'm sorry. My meat and two veg, my twig and berries. Hello, lads. Oh, Mr. Powers, Mr. Powers, please. I'd appreciate it if you could concentrate on our mission and... Give your libido a rest? Can I, uh. Can I show you something? If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I can render. Tell the one who loves you only. I can be so warm and tender. I won't bite. Hard. Let me ask you a question, and be honest. Oh! Do I make you horny, Randy? Do I make you horny, baby? Yeah, do I? Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can. Just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Dave, I'd like to share with you some of his music. Uh, This is from his solo project, The Dave Leslie Band. This is an unreleased track, so it's a real genuine sneak peek here on The Art of Touring. This one's called Indiana Dirt. Have a listen.
man, Ricky Ray can pull a sound, I tell you what. Now, that's just a preview of the track. I don't want to play you the whole thing because it is unreleased, but that should whet your appetite to grab that track when it is available to purchase and download. Now, let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Dave Leslie. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. It is a nice cool evening here in good old Melbourne town. I'm sitting uh, with a nice uh, cup of coffee and in front of me is Dave Leslie, guitar player of the Baby Animals. How are you, Dave? Hey, thanks. I'm very well, thanks, Dave. I'm enjoying a nice cup of coffee myself here. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's good. Very civilised. Yeah, man. I've, I've gone with the late show with David Letterman mug and I think you've gone with the... I'm with the band mug. <laughs> yes, apt. <laughs> Very apt. Mm. So, listeners, if, you, is, mm. if there are some random breaks within our conversation, it's just because we're trying to sip on our coffees before they get too cold. That's right. That's, That's right. it. So, there you go. Yeah, right. So, Dave, let's get stuck into it, mate. Where, um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in Sydney. I grew up, my my dad's company decentralized and moved about an hour and a half north which we thought was like moving to the moon yeah. in um like early 70s so i grew up on uh the new south wales central coast right yeah a place near the entrance yeah um it was yeah back in those days it was bush it was just bush, bush and you know just it was und- undeveloped really bush and beach yeah yeah it was fantastic my mum being a city girl yeah thought we'd move to the fucking moon <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe that we're here. Why are we you in know? the country, man? We're in the country. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the central coast of New South Wales now is, is quite built up. Oh, it's really, really busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's massively busy. So um, mm. it was a great place to grow up, though. Yeah, yeah. lots of cubby houses and tracks and snakes and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, man, we had, we had, a, had a ball, actually. Yeah, as kids just riding bikes around deserted streets. You know, it was fantastic. Yeah, that's something I, I can't relate to because I grew up in Greensboro, which is uh, you know just burbs, you know, forty minutes out of Melbourne, with just houses everywhere. And you know, if you were riding your bike, you know, you made sure your older brother was with you or something because mm. it was very, very busy. You know, far out. Well, this place was deserted. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And so, was it a very musical household that um, that you grew up in? My mum grew up playing organ in church, so we had one of those old. Pump organs at oh, home, yeah, ones yeah. the one uh, with the yeah, yeah, pump with the bellows and everything like that. And every Christmas Eve, Mum would you know have a few Moselles and do um, Christmas carols around the organ and stuff like that. It was it was great fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was all, we always grew up with music. My dad yeah. was into Bert Bacharach, so he was a, he was a bit of a yeah he was a bit of a hip sort of dude you yeah, know back in yeah. the day. So there was that the vinyls everywhere. <clears throat> a lot of vinyl. Yeah, yeah, a lot of vinyl. And then we had you know the Ubiquitous three-in-one uh, Sanyo three-in-one stereo with a tape player and the vinyl and everything in it. And, in it, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, it. Was interesting. It was great. So there was, it was all there was always, always music, music but, coming around. Know, when I was, I remember being a little kid watching Brian Henderson's Bandstand on Channel Nine on of a weeknight. Mm. Johnny O'Keefe used to be on it. All those sort of things. And then after that, I think it was GTK. On the ABC, which is right. a show called, um, it was called, uh, stood for Getting to Know, and it's black and white. You might huh. be able to see bits, uh, episodes of it on on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> but then that had 
bands like Billy Thorpe and Buffalo and Kevin Borich. Yes. Uh, Daddy Cool. Yeah. Those sort, of, those sort of bands. And they used to, GTK was on like the five minutes before the, the ABC News broadcast. Really? So, yeah, yeah. It like was fantastic. Weeknights. Man. Weeknights. Five minutes of music yeah. every like film, night. Film clips, I guess they were back in, you know. Right. Just live performances. But live performances, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From like Sunbury or other, other sort of festivals. and Yeah. So I just remember thinking, I remember... I can still see it now. Billy playing um, most people I know. Billy Thorpe yeah. with that Les Paul and him shaking his head and doing this thing, and I'm just going like, <laughs> like like Nat Allison said on the podcast that I listened to today. She goes, yeah. looked at it, and went, "That's what I want to do. Yes. That looks like a really good fun. Yeah. yeah, looks like good loud fun. And damn it, man, that's what I want to do. Yeah, you know. So I grabbed the tennis racket and <laughs> used to jump around the table and the, off the coffee table onto the lounge and stuff. You know, um, during these performances. Mm. Doing these shows, and then my mum's like, "Oh, I think he might want a guitar." Yes, yeah, I think he's trying to tell us something. something. <laughs> Fantastic! It's really cool when you can look back and actually remember the exact moment, or maybe not the exact moment, but you know, a, a point in your life where you were like, music is kind of singing to you in a way that is quite, you know, um, you know, life changing. It's like, well, this is this is what I want to do. You know, mm. yeah, and seeing those artists. Um, is your entryway into that world. And I wanted to be a hairy too, because that was like, this is early 70s. Right. I was born in 64, so no, it would have been kind of late 60s. Everyone had long hair. Right. Like my, my parents used to call them hairies. Ah, oh, you bloody hairy. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to be a hairy. My dad's, yeah. my dad's like, you can't be a hairy until you're 18. So I eventually oh. got to be a hairy, I got guess. Got the long yeah. hair in, hey? <laughs> oh, man. That is something I can relate to because I went to a, a, a private school and you weren't have long hair. weren't right. allowed to have long hair past your shoulders. <laughs> I'll never forget. I, I went up to my principal one day. It was um, the day before school holidays. We were about to have two weeks off. And for some reason, we were given a casual clothes day on that last day mm-hmm. as year 12s or whatever. And I said to my um, principal, I said, hey, can I can I dye my hair bright red tomorrow? And, you know, so I've got red hair for the holidays. He goes, yes, but you have to have it dyed back to a normal colour by when we get back. (laughs) Otherwise, you're in deep trouble. I was like, no way. And I was so stoked. I went home. My brother bleached my hair blonde. Wow, and then then whacked the red on it. Oh, yeah, so it really popped, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting there, my head's burning, you know. (laughs) But it was great. It was great. Fantastic, man. Oh, gosh. So growing up um, in the the New South Wales Central Coast um, and, yeah, getting those formative years, um, what, what... well, how old were you when you first got that guitar? Um, I think I was about eight when I got the acoustic, which I still have. You still, still have yeah, it? Yeah, this little three-quarter, man. Wow. Yeah, this little acoustic made by the Samick Company. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and probably nine when I started to to get lessons. Yes. Yeah, there was a dude uh, teaching out of a music shop at Long Jetty mm. for Warren Target. He's still around. Oh, he's not in Long Jetty anymore. I think he's up in Tari. Yeah. And um, yeah, just started playing, just started Playing dunga 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 da e a b seven yes see just just the folk kind of stuff you know sure. just learning songs tons and tons of songs wow you know and that's a, that's a kind of um a, ba- a background that's all that's never failed me really yes yeah just all those building blocks and I know when I when I teach myself mm. when you teach the these basic elements and the kids go oh man you know like that's the shit man and you know Angus and Malcolm. Still use these chords. That's the same it's like, chord. It's an E. It's a rock E, man. It's, it works now and it's going to work for you 
in 50 years' time. That's you know? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's forever young, right? It is, absolutely. Holy yeah. shit. Having said that, though, there's some people that can play an A a lot better than other people. I guess. You know, I, guess, I know that sounds yeah. ridiculous. But the more you but play the, it, the, the better it sounds. The sound and the tone. Like, the, how did they record that A? It's like, as soon as Angus hits that, down, down, you know, you're like, you can hear it. You know, obviously people have tried to emulate that, like bands like, you know, Airborne or whatever. But it's nothing like the real thing, man. But man, like um, Jailbreak, even that, this, that intro to Jailbreak was on Triple M the other day. Yeah. Just that um, Malcolm's, what is that, that Gretz through the Marshall, just... It's oh, just gives me the goosebump just even thinking about it. Yeah, you know, it's so good, isn't it? So good. Yeah. yeah, that tone, that whole the rhythm, the chunk, the whole thing. Like, Everything oh. about it. Yeah, yeah. It swings its ass off too. That song when the when the chorus kicks in, there's hand claps. There's mm. stuff that you that you that are there that you don't actually notice. I think there might be maraca. I know there's maraca in a lot of ACDC songs, but yeah, there's hand right. claps on the snare. It's just got a real swing, you know, about mm. it, which I really like. Yeah. yeah, they certainly. I think they'll go far. That band. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they show They've got a lot potential. of potential. Yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. And so, um, old mates giving you lessons, and you're just learning yeah. songs and songs and songs. How long did it take you to gravitate? Uh, sorry, graduate to a um an electric guitar, or did you just kind of have the acoustic uh, for quite a while? Probably twelve months in. Yeah, I you got an electric as well. Yeah, wow. yeah. My dad um spent. Did a lot of business trips overseas, mm. and I was yeah busting for electric guitar, and I loved um, Stratocasters and stuff. You yeah, know? so he came back from one of his trips and with this uh, a Maya Stratocaster. It's made in Japan, right? Um, kind of a lawsuit era one, I guess. Sure, you know, it, yeah. It, it, I thought it was as good as. At the time, you know, yeah, you're ten years old. Were you sunburst can. strat? Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And a little <laughs> Yamaha practice amp. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, love that guitar, man. I polished it so much. I think I polished the finish off it. <laughs> Loved it. I think I polished it more than I played it. Really? Yeah. yeah. You made sure it was nice and clean. Oh, it was clean. Don't touch my guitar, until man. The, until my. We, the, my brother kicked the ball and it knocked the coat hanger off the uh, cupboard, and it went bang in the corner. of The coat hanger went down and took this big. Chunk, chunk right out of the front oh, of it. Oh man, I hate that. I was that. devoted, devastated. Yes. Yeah, I was out that, there with the brown that, texture trying to fill it in, you know. Oh, the guitar just uh, behind you there in its little case there. My Maiton that I got um, when I was 21, I went to the Maiton factory with my mate Brett. Um, he plays an electric Mary. Oh, yeah, Brett Wood. Brett Wood. Know him well. Yeah, old mate. And yeah, uh, he, he, he took me to the Maiton factory because um, he's got a relationship with them. And he, for my 21st, they put together this amazing guitar for me, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's real. I'll electric. get it out. Yeah, now it's an acoustic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, um, I was like, I want a cherry red. You know, so they made it custom for me. I got it home. And at the time, I was still living with my folks. And I had a disco globe in my bedroom. You know, As you do. As you do. Yeah, when you're you know, 21. You, when yeah. you're 21, of course. You know, got to press the ladies somehow, exactly. right? And I went to the love shack, baby. Right. One of the very first days I was getting the guitar out of its case, I wasn't looking bang right into the mirror ball and it got it still got the nastiest chip on the headstock oh far it's, out now man. it's just part okay. of the guitar like i never you yeah, know yeah. i mean two days in what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you know it always mm. breaks your heart doesn't it <laughs> the first yeah. one's the hardest it is yeah yeah after that you're like whatever it's got <laughs> oh, that many hit, dings yeah whack things with it but doesn't really matter time oh, it hurts <laughs> all right so you're playing that uh, electric guitar and yep. um uh, did you play much music in school with other musicians and like join bands and things like yeah, that? Yeah, we formed a little band. Um, 
I remember playing at the school fate in year. F- I did a talent quest in year five, and played along to a back to a sort of like a, a track yeah. with my, my guitar and my amp. Yeah, and um, then I knew this guy who was a drummer, Brett Laird, um, and another another dude. We formed a three-piece band, nice. and my guitar teacher lent us a couple of fuzz boxes. These are uh, Shinai fuzz. It's probably worth like a grand now, you know, what it yeah, is, old Japanese yeah. fuzz. Yeah. We plugged it in through the thing. It was the best fun ever. I mean, it sounded horrendous. <laughs> yes. But then we did. We went and did a school fate as that. We did some, you know, originals, and yeah. that was uh, so much fun, man. Yeah, and then wow. just, just kept playing in bands through high school. Right, and, yep. Um, we had a great music teacher at the entrance high. Um Dennis Patterson, who was encouraged the, the the school to get a PA, so they bought a you know a, a, a single three way PA. Yes, and there was a you know couple of drummers there, and there was it was a really healthy environment Music program. Yeah, 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 it was really great. So at lunchtimes, yeah, we'd go into the in, into the auditorium and jam and oh, in the actual big auditorium space, yeah, not just yeah. in the little music room. That that's sometimes where they, it was in the music room, but occasionally, yeah, they, they would let you in there onto the stage <laughs> and have a have a hit through. And mate, if my kids asked me to go into the theatre these days at my school, I'd be like. Uh, uh, we have to book it. There's procedure. Like you can't just walk in there. There's probably Man. some talk going in there. You know, it's even hard enough to get them into the music room. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Was... And did that three-piece fuzz crazy band? Did that band have a name? What did it have? Um, I don't think it did. It was just oh, actually Brett's Bombers. It was Brett's yeah. Bombers. Brett's Bombers. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. That's actually a pretty good name. It wasn't bad. Yeah, Brett was the drummer. Yeah, you know. So yeah. His mum made the little plaque and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Had the world's biggest drum kit, man. It was great. It <laughs> really? Took him, yeah. It was, there were so many times it took him like six beats to do a four-beat fill. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Too much gear. <laughs> it was pretty good, though. What oh, we had a ball, bro? man. We had, yeah, a, had yeah. a ball. Yeah. Far out. Yeah, it was a great, uh, great time. Great time. Mm. So playing in bands um, in high school. Um, and then when you left high school, did you... Uh, did you go into work? Did you study, or did you start just playing music full time? What was your What was your pathway? Music, yeah. yeah. I, I did year twelve, and um, yeah, I was I was trying to get into the conservatorium, but my overall aggregate score wasn't sufficient for me to do that. Mm. And my next uh, next choice was a, a bachelor of economics, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know if I can do. I mean, probably in retrospect, I should have done it. Yeah, but. Oh no, it's okay. I went and joined uh, a couple of local bands, yeah, and just played around the pubs and clubs on the central coast, and joined yeah. a country band and did a little bit more touring and playing a little bit uh, further afield, right? But just uh, you know, I deferred for a year, and I'm evidently still deferring. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still deferring. I love. Yeah, it. I don't know if the position still exists now, but uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It may have lapsed. It may have lapsed. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Forty yeah. years on, or whatever it is. Mm. Far out, man. Mm. Well, I actually had to go back to uni um, just this this past year because the course that I was that I teach the vet music course. And this is everyone in Australia who teaches vet and have held the uh, the TAE certificate um, in training and assessment. It's getting really fucking you know dry right now, but trust me, it, it has right. a, yeah, yeah. It, it has a good ending. <laughs> um, we all have to do this upgrade. Now, you talk to any teacher who teaches vet music or any vet and has, who has had to do this upgrade, they will give you the dirtiest look 
because it is the worst thing ever invented by anybody. <laughs> like, it is so difficult. Right, okay. They put you through the ringer. Oh, my yeah. God. It was harder than the actual qualification. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. it was meant to just be like a little unit to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. No, they made us jump through so many hoops. So, oh, yeah, right, think th- think yourself lucky that you didn't have to go back to university, man, because, um, yeah, I don't know who's running things now. but Oh, yeah. It was funny that the time, because mum and dad both went to uni, you know, they both had letters behind their names mm. and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh... Mum's going, yeah, but you can form a band in uni. But anyway, it was one of yeah. those things that, yeah, just... Oh. You just kept I just playing. Had, I was just over school. It was just that age, you know, 18 yeah, years yeah. old. You're like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know? So, um, just went, yeah, just went and... Um, so they were cover bands? Around. Yeah, yeah, cover bands. Yeah, cover bands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you're still living at home and you're able to, like, make enough coin so, you you know, folks didn't want to kick you out, um, you know, working at the cover band scene? Or did you actually get a, a, a day gig as well? I used to teach guitar door-to-door kind of thing. Oh, I used to go to right. kids' places and teach guitar, which was oh, kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I was also playing in this restaurant up there, uh, the restaurant attached to the hotel with a, a couple of uh, guys from New Zealand. Mm. Great, great singers and everything. I was the was the the young fella. Yeah, but we for oh for quite a while, probably six months, we did like four nights a week: Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in there. Wow! And I kind of made I was making able to make some pretty good coin some out good of that. Coin sitting yeah. there doing. Well, they they do like all these really hip kind of George Benson, Breezen kind of songs, and and they turned me onto all this other stuff that I didn't realise, you know, ah. that wasn't Eric Clapton and Cream and everything like that. It's a, a whole lot of other music yes. of these covers, and these guys were both really good musicians, so yeah. that was a good eye opener too. You know, it was fantastic. Yeah, good ear opener. That's yeah. a that's a really cool thing, and and it's something that has kind of become quite a theme on the art of touring, um, and that is uh, you know with the one that you listened to today with Nat and how she you know left school at fifteen and just started playing in bands straight away with people older than her. Mm. It kind of meant that she was able to learn so much quicker as a younger person of how to do something, you know, how to actually play the instrument, how to perform, how to, you know, get a reaction from the crowd, that kind of thing. Same with Tim Henwood. He did the same thing. He started playing very, very young, you know, with musicians older than him um, and and really opened his eyes as well to the wider world of... um, of, of music and, and how to perform and all that gear. It was, yeah, it was years. Yeah. I spent years being the youngest guy in any band I was in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was good. I, I like it, you know. Yeah, you yeah. learn a lot. You learn a lot of, you know, what not to do as well. So, you know, there's that, yeah. Mm. yeah. But the coast, it was good. I mean, yeah, that first year out of school, I was I was pretty lazy, but yeah. I spent a lot of time playing, you know, practicing at home. Did a, yes. I wasn't wasn't uh, that disciplined, but I did spend a lot of time playing guitar. Yeah, the right. The time that I wish I had, you know, having become a parent, where you sit the guitar in the corner and you don't play it for weeks on end. <sighs> Dude. Jeez, you know, I wish I had that much time, time now. I know. The time I wasted, you know, not doing proper practice and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can definitely um, empathise with that because just this year I've just fell into, just like Kramer behind you. <laughs> I fell into this successful... He's sublime. Right, there he is. Yeah. I fell into this really successful run of cover gigs. So pretty much every Friday since January, I've been playing this three-hour cover gig around the corner from my house. Oh, that's... Keep your chops up? Yes. Yeah, man. You know, and I finally figured out how to use my Line 6 um, loop delay pedal. So I'm clicking on that and I'm just soloing. So especially if my voice isn't feeling the best, I'll just, you know, play a few chords... And I'm just working on my chops. And I'm thinking in my head, 
this this is like three hours that I would never usually get as dad to just play music. Right. I know I'm still having to entertain and most of the time I'm still singing, but that little time where I just get to noodle? Yeah, yeah. That is so valuable, <laughs> man. Oh, my God. And get paid for it too. Yes, Bonus. Yes, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Gotta love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so tell me, after playing in the cover band scene and, you know, um, you know, cutting your teeth as a 20, 21-year-old, w- when was it when you started actually writing your own tunes? Um, like, and you kind of probably took after I moved to Sydney because yeah, growing up on the coast, there was always Sydney was the place to be. You know, everything came. It was the big, the big city yeah. sort of thing. And there was, you know, any band that was from Sydney that would come up and play would be all always better than any band that they we had on the coast. Mm. That was just that thing. So, um, probably yeah, around twenty or so, I kind of made the move and and yeah. went and lived with my grandmother for a little while in Sydney and and joined a band down there. Yeah, right. Playing a ori- playing their original music. Music, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. What was that band called? It was called Vault Edge. Vault, Vault Edge. Edge. Yeah, out of yeah. Uh, I think we re- used to rehearse in um, the original stage door in Alexandria in Sydney. Right upstairs there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was the youngest guy in the band. Yes, all that sort of stuff, and yeah. had to drive down from the coast to go to rehearsal every time. But oh. then, but then eventually, oh, that's not oh. every time. But then moved down. Then eventually moved. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. moved down and um, yeah, jumped from that into another band called New Breed, and they were they were an original band as well. Mm-hmm. That was good because they were a little bit. They had we were a level up, so they yep. did a lot of really good supports. Right, um, did a lot of gig at, gigs at Caring Bar Inn. Um, supporting great bands and did yeah. a little tour supporting. We supported the Trogs one time around New South Wales. Right. Now, that's band. that's like a seminal punk band, isn't it, the Trogs? Am I getting that right? The Trogs were like an English. They did Wild Thing. Oh. And, you know, they were famous for that, the Trogs tapes where they're arguing in the studio and, you know, it's a, it's a, a pretty legendary kind of re- recording session that was surreptitiously recorded in the control room about them discussing this song and everything. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's right. pretty good. Yeah, it's good listening if you get a chance. <laughs> yeah, far out. Anyway, they argued like that on... St- they argued at Soundcheck. It was really funny. And Really? Yeah, but they but we did this Western New South Wales trip, which was my first kind of time on the road. On the road, you know, yeah, proper, yeah. Proper touring in a van and yeah. all that sort of thing. And that was that was cool. It was a good eye-opener. Yeah, yep. right. Then that kind of fizzled out, that band. Mm. Uh, but it was myself and the singer... It was, we had no money, we had no girlfriends, we had no gig, and we sat down, we go, we got to, what are we going to do, man? We got to do something. This is around yeah. about kind of 85-ish. Okay. What are we going to do? We're going to have to kill the sacred cow. We're going to have to form a cold chisel cover band. Whoa. Yeah. So we formed this band. Um, got a couple of guys from Perth. A tribute to cold chisel. Yes. The wow. ulti- we, we, it was fra- coined the ultimate chisel tribute. The ultimate the chisel <laughs> tribute. Because it wasn't really, there wasn't a lot of concept bands around at that time. At that time. And how how long was, was chisel around for in 85? Like when did they? They'd split up in 83. Huh. Right. Yeah, yeah they did so like more that of a 70s band. Sort of. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Working class, man. That was Barnsley. That's that Barnsley. wasn't That wasn't chisel. It wasn't chisel You such. have to forgive me, man. Mm. I'm, I was born in 1980. So right, okay. When yeah, yeah. when he was coming, I, I would just remember him as Barnsey. I don't really have any recollections of Chuck Cold Chisel other right. than, you know, when they've reformed a million times, you know, as, yes. as an adult, right? Yeah. So in, in my eyes, I, I can't, in my memory, I can't remember a time where they weren't together, but obviously 
there was in the eighties. It was it was just Barnsley. So they mm. broke up in eighty four. Is that right? Well, 83, 84. I think. Huh. I think maybe uh, eighty three was the the last stand thing at the entertainment okay. center. Okay. And yeah, it was on my birthday. It was on my birthday night in 83. Right. We went to the Mansell room afterwards. Yeah, that's right. It was on my 19th birthday. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and you're thinking this is something that maybe audiences would, would, would buy a ticket to, would want to come and see these tunes that aren't being played anymore. Well, we just, you know, we were familiar, we were friends with some people in this agency and everything like that. And yes. So we presented them with this concept and they've gone, yeah, great, cool. Yep. We'll rehearse it up and if you, if you, you give it to us, we'll book it. I thought, well, at least it'll get us through summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, yeah, let's see how we go with that. Right. So that was a good lesson, man. Emulating Ian Moss, even most, even if it was mostly in the wrong key because <laughs> we had to pull it down a couple of tones, you know. Yeah, for the singer to be able to high. sing up there. Yeah. Oh, dude. But the songs were really good, the way the songs were structured, yeah. the guitar parts, the tone. The tone's a killer to try and emulate, man. Yeah. That's a killer. Yeah, his I've hands, my God. only ever attempted one chisel song, and that's, I hope it's a chisel song. It's Flame Trees, yeah. That's yeah, chis- yeah. That was yeah. when they were chisel, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and it's got one C-sharp minor in it, and it only appears once in the whole song. Yeah, right. Song. <laughs> very, like, it's very clever, man. It's some clever writing. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I struggle just trying to figure out how to write a bridge to my songs, let alone <laughs> how to figure out how to put one chord in it. And it only appears once in the whole track. It's 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 wild. Yeah. And yeah, and as you were saying, having to bring the songs down, um, uh, there's one part in in the you know, and I'm wondering if you'll go or if she'll stay. And then, do you remember that bit? Yeah, it's a get it. It's, and then it somehow <laughs> so wind, somehow winds back. Oh no, it comes back into a different key. I think it modulates from there. Yeah, trees. Yeah, but oh. and then back into the chorus. Yeah. And then, but what a good band, man! They were like a you know. A, that rock, they're a rocking little country blues band, though. Mm-hmm. They, well, little. They were yeah. each monsters of their craft. Mm-hmm. Each one of those guys is a, a master yeah. of what they do. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. That first couple of records, East, um, in Breakfast at Sweethearts, even the, the first record, man, there's some absolutely killer stuff in there. Yeah. You know, love or hate them, you've got, you got to admit that it's, they're a really, really good band. Good band, yeah. 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 And consistent live band and always brought it you know mm. it's really cool yeah far out so that was good to emulate it was yeah it was really cool i've spoken to both well mossy don walker and oh actually that i know the lot you know yeah, yeah i've met them all you yeah, know? yeah yeah and they've we've, have you I've mentioned that you used to peace. play their tunes <laughs> yes <laughs> i've made peace with with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of good. That is so cool. Because <laughs> I've done the, the Pearl Jam tribute thing quite a few times. Um, I, I joined, like in my 20s, I joined a Pearl Jam tribute band and we would do the, the whole thing. We would we would like, because they're crazy with their set lists. Like they had, even back in the early noughties, they had like six or seven albums worth of material Jeepers. and every night they would do a different set. So that's what we would do. We, we would fucking learn so many songs wow. and then whenever we booked a show, it wasn't the same as the time that you saw us a month ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we yeah. would mix it up quite a lot. Just like, And yeah. I mean, it was mental. So... Um, and then a few, only like 
for the 25th anniversary of 10, I put together some Muso. So we, we did a show at the Cherry Bar, kind of similar to what, like, you know, Rusty's been doing with the Bowie tribute and all that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I play in that too. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. good, man. That's a big learn. Yes. Yeah, good. Speaking of, yeah, emulating parts and emulating <laughs> sounds. Yeah. That Robert Fripp stuff, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, doing the covers thing, it's very different animal to learning one artist. Because when you're doing the covers thing, you have to kind of be a, a man of many tricks and kind of, you know, you know, learn a whole bit d- different tunes. But, like, I'm not sure how you attack covers, but when I play covers, I learn the song, but I don't, like, learn it 100%. Like, I learn enough of it so I can perform it and go to the next song. Whereas when I'm doing, like, a tribute, I make sure I know everything. you got to get it right in deep. Yeah, exactly. Get, yeah, deep. yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, same. I mean, covers, if you're doing, like, a 340s type of thing, yeah. I mean, you've got to learn the the signature bits so that they know it's the, the song they're listening to. But yeah, mm. it's, it's hard to, to to fit all that in. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. To Most be definitely. to be the guy that played every song is 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 challenging. Um, People can do it, yeah. but yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! And so, how long did you do the the Chisel tribute for? Oh, we we actually got quite popular yeah yeah we ended up with our own road crew and uh we'd come down and do the palace at st kilda on saturday nights we'd do a run in melbourne yes like eventually we'd drive down a couple of times and then we'd start flying down and meet the crew down there and do like do a sand belt do um a palace do a mentone hotel Mm -hmm. um bell street rock i think we did a couple of times too the old olympic but we'd do these runs, and then we'd the go Olympic to Brisbane. used we'd... to be a, a, a band venue. The Olympic used to be this place called Bell Street Rock. Huh. Yeah. Which back in the day, I mean, I live near, near there now, you know what I mean? Yeah, back yeah. in the day when we, we, we stayed at the uh, at the Prince in St Kilda, yes. Bell Street seemed like it was like <laughs> in another world. <laughs> yes. It was like moving to the Central Coast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the wild wild north, you know? Yeah, yeah it really man. was, wasn't it? Yeah. Gosh. So you really gave it a good hot go with that um, with that chisel band because I mean yeah you were essentially providing a service to people that you know if they wanted to hear those tunes they had to come and see your show and we we're making a living out of it too yeah we were like, we were, like we got cars we got everything sort of started to tick over we had a rocking little band wow you know and it was um, it was good it was good for time I and mean, I knew deep down that I didn't want to be an Ian Moss emulator my, all my life though mm. and you know being sort of Oh, where was it? Was about kind of 23, 24. Mm. You study the form guide, you study the industry. I was industry aware, you know what I mean? Yeah. Industry savvy. I knew who the people who were the movers and shakers were and yeah. watching bands getting signed and figuring, you know, figuring out who who's behind that and doing this and that and the other. Right. And, um, I was working for this agency as well, just delivering posters and contracts and things like that. You know, sure, sure. Up checks, yeah, just a couple of days a week um, as well. We were so Swing Shift was with this agency, so it was all very, it was nice. It was ticking along nicely yeah. at that time, yeah. you know. And um, <clears throat> the word got uh, the word went around that Rose Tattoo were auditioning guitar players. This was huh. it was after the beats of a single drum album, so that was with the suddenly. And I think there was another song called Calling on it. Right. Um, I think John Meyer, John Meyer, John Myers mm. played guitar on that one. Uh, but it was ang- essentially angry and Andy Sishon, Scott Johnson, Tim Gaze, I think was in that lineup too, but they needed another guitar player. Right. So uh, I stuck my hand up, oh, can I, 
can, can you book me in, you know, for an for audition? audition? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. So I went around to uh, their management office, picked up a CD yep. to learn tracks, you know, three, four, and five or whatever, and we'll see you at, at, at Music Box at Petersham at X, at whatever time. Yeah, up in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. So I I knew, well, I'd, I just wanted to do, just to see, for shits and giggles. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had a blonde bleached mullet <laughs> and no tattoos. <laughs> yes. So I thought my I was a bit of an outsider at that point. Yeah, right? that's an outside check. But I'm going to learn the shit out of this thing and, yeah. and and play as good as I can. Yeah, just to just to do it. You the know experience. what I mean? Experience, fuck yeah, yeah. Just the experience. Rose tattoo, you know. Um, so I went along for this audition. Angry wasn't there. Mm. Um, Andy Sishon was uh, conducting proceedings. Yeah. So I went in there. They plugged me into this hundred watt Marshall top, and I. You know, played my ass off, man. Like, yes. gave it as good as I possibly could, you yes. know? Yes, yeah. Anyway, and so we, we became really good mates. And he, he, oh, it was, you know, it was great, man. Thanks, you know. We, mm. um, well, we've got a couple of other guys to, to check out, but we'll, well, see how you go. And then sure. he rang me later on that day and said, we'd like you to come back. Huh. And have a, an, an, another run through. Do you want to learn XXXX? And, and I went, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I went around and did the, did the same thing. Yeah. Um, probably a week later, I think. Sure. And... I thought, oh, there might be a chance here, you know? But yeah. Just, but the bottom line was, oh, well, I didn't end up getting the gig. Mm. A guy called Jake Lardo, who was an amazing guitar player as well. Yeah. Think, um, play, he plays a lot of country now and right. was the guitar player on Sa Pla Pour Moi. Ah. So, you know, and nice fella. He We're good mates. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, ended up getting the gig, but I struck up this rapport with, with Andy. Sure. So Andy is was engaged to this girl called Adrian Driscoll, who was John Woodruff's PA. Hmm. And so Woody managed the Angels and Johnny Diesel Whoa. at that point. He was part of the Dirty Pool thing. They, they, they had Ice House. They had some heavy hitters. Heavy hitters right? and in so the I, industry. I was yeah. aware of that and everything. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we, me and Andy became good mates. Andy used to come and see Swing Shift. Yep. As well, you know, and, and just, we just hang out. Good guy, you know. Yeah. Great, great dude. And so, in the meantime... so we we'll, Swing we'll, Shift, the band that you were playing with at the time? The, yeah, the Chisel Tribute band. The Tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was because we, we named ourselves after the live Tribble, Chisel album. Nice. Which is a great record too, man. Produced by Mark Opitz, like mixed by Opitz. It, it's a good sounding album. Nice. Yeah, good sounding live record. Band was on fire. It was yeah. really good. And... um. <clears throat> So in the meantime, Suze had come back from London. This is 89 by this stage. Yes. And wanted to put a band together. And she she was mates with, with uh, Diesel. Mm-hmm. And so was able, was, John Woodruff was interested in managing her. I didn't know any of this at this time. Right. But I got a call from Andy saying, look, there's this girl that's just come out. Yeah. Um, do you want to go along and have a play? You know? Yeah. She's got some original songs and all that sort of thing. and. Mm. So I went along and rolled up to this thing, and it's uh, Brent Eccles playing drums from the Angels. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who was on bass at that point. Um, and Suze. Yes. Who I'd never met before, right? Sure. And then the minute she started singing, I'm like, holy smokes. I'm thinking, and Woodruff's involved in this? Yeah. Like, okay, this is cool. Well, you know, I'm just see what happens. Yes. You know, and they, they liked they liked my audition. There was a few. We played a couple of covers. Yeah. Um, tried a couple of her originals that we kind of worked on, just throwing ideas around and everything like that. Yeah, just kind of jamming. And yep. And then um, 
was told, oh, you know, we've got a couple of other guys as well. So I, I went back out and, on tour with Swing Shift. We, yeah, we were playing nationally at, the, at this stage. Yeah. We are touring all the time. It was That's right. fantastic, you know. It was yeah. really good. And then one time I got a call from the hotel I was staying in. Um, oh, that's right. I went back for another play. And I think Eddie Parisi was playing bass at that point. And I knew Eddie's brother, Otto. Okay. We're, oh, we were kind of mates from just having hung around and all that sort of thing in, in Sydney. Mm. So um, <clears throat> he was on bass. And uh, then had a, had a bit more of a play. We worked on some more stuff. And then, uh, you know, yeah, got this call yep. saying, well, the gig's basically... Yours, if, if you, want, you it. want it. Wow. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. I'll do that. I mean, the minute Sue's opened her mouth and started singing, I'm like, okay. Yeah. okay. You're blown yeah. away. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew she was an extraordinary talent. Sign you know. me up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had to kind of break the news to the boys in the band. Yes. Saying, you were going to pursue uh, this. Gonna, um, give up this and go and take a risk. And they all thought I was crazy, you know, yeah. the management and the agency and all that sort of thing. They all thought I had bloody rocks in my head. But Guaranteed I, income, yeah, you yeah. You know, what can I do? You know, what are you going to do? I, you gotta, got to pursue it. you got to pursue it. Yeah. You know. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's kind of started from there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because when I knew you were coming around today, I did start having a look at, um, you know, some of the stuff online and everything. And uh, I tried not to look at too much of your stuff because I wanted to kind of discover a lot while we're talking. Um, Cause I saw, you know, you had a bit of a chat um, on, uh, I think it was for the um, Australian guitar show where you were kind of talking about touring and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Was that a- it was on YouTube. Right. It was a sitting just on a stool, a YouTube-y yeah, 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 kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So I didn't, was... I didn't look at that. Right. I just started looking at just like the live performances and stuff. I found one from the panel. Oh, did you? From yeah. From like 1999. Yeah, the panel. Which was really, really cool. And then I had a look at one of you guys playing um, on Recovery. Wow. Yes, for Susie's solo record, that yeah, would have been. Yeah, that was yeah. for solo stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah... It's kind of, it's like a catch-22. It's like, well, you know, how much do I want to know about the artist before they walk into the room so that, you know, there's a bit of context, but I don't want to also, you know, take away from the listeners kind of like discovering it with me or maybe, you know, they all know everything and I don't know another. I'm not sure. But I guess my question is when you first started jamming with with Suze, um, was it um, like – I mean, you, you said it, you heard her voice and you knew straight away that you wanted to be in the band, but when you first got the gig, how long did it take you to actually start writing the material for that first record? Yeah, because when, when she came out to, from London, a lot of the songs were in certain forms wound up on, on the first Baby Animals record. Right. Um, they were different arrangements and everything, so it pretty much started straight away. Yeah, you know, we we obviously our our early sets, our early live sets were peppered with a lot of covers. Okay, and then we were still finding our feet as far as like um, figuring each other out who liked what, and we all liked Led Zeppelin. Right, we all loved Zeppelin. We all loved that that riffy kind of Stuff. thing. Eddie yeah. and Frank were like, well, I used to go and see Eddie and Frank in their old band, uh, Bamboo Curtain in Sydney. Yes, like they were the hot rhythm section in town, and so for me to be able to get a gig with them, that was like. It was quite a coup. It was like this yeah. is a, this is going to be a good band, man. Because yeah. they're they're already they're a two man band already. Right. I just put I can just put stuff over the top. I just embellish on what they do. Sure. You know. And um, 
So yeah, it's, we started sort of just we rehearsed a lot. We rehearsed yeah. and wrote yeah. a lot, and just felt stuff out and yeah. just jammed. And you know, there was yeah, songs like One Word um, were written in London before she came out, but it was a okay. completely different sounding yeah. song. Man, the original One Word sounded a bit like Brimful of Asher. Wake up. Feeling the same way every day. Okay. And it stayed like that for quite a while. Yeah. You know? Till someone thought, you know, maybe we we could rock this up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd go on because of because we were fortunate enough to have great management and influential management, we could get on these support tours. Right. Right. I mean, obviously Woody managed the Angels, so our first run out was an Angels tour through Western New South Wales. Nice. That toughened the band up pretty quick, smart. You know really? what I mean? You're yeah. playing to these crowds that are brutal. Yeah. You know? And then we do Barnsley supports. We did a Barnsley support at Ferntree Gully and then one at, at the West End at Sunshine. Yes. That we virtually got booed off stage. Yes. You know what I mean? We got we had we had 40 minutes of song with songs which we played in 20 minutes. Oh <laughs> man. Like, get the hell out of here, man. Let's get Just off hit the him, stage. Hit them and go, you know. Oh my and, gosh. But each time we'd play do those tours, a, a little bit of that would rub off. Yeah. And so this hard edge kind of started to emerge. Right. You know, and it just, okay, we've got to go out there and give it because we're going to get slaughtered. Yeah. Because for one, we've got a chick singer, right? And, you know, when the band's yelling, when the, the entire crowd's yelling, Bunsy, oh, louder than you're actually playing. <laughs> You know, it's like, wow, man. we're going to have to hit them as hard as we possibly as can. You can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a trial by fire, if I've ever heard it one. It was, absolutely, yeah, man. Oh we got thrown into the, into the deep end. Yeah. But it was it was good. It toughened us up quick, smart. Shit, you know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so we became this kind of this yeah. tight rock little little rock unit. Yeah. You know, and the, the, we just started, we just kept rehearsing, the songs kept bubbling to the surface and, yes you know stuff like rush you was you know very much a band composition yeah which had like zeppelin-y elements in it mm. and just yeah songs songs like that you know just came through hmm, just doing a lot lots of time in a room yeah spending lots of time in a room and just just nutting it all out man, together a thousand cassette tapes at home of, of rehearsal yeah stuff, right. you know? yeah. yeah of course boxes cassette and tapes. boxes of them oh of, man of stuff hmm. the struggle right yeah yeah, and then the kids these days don't know how good they have it with the yeah, iPhones. Exactly. So all you got to do is, who's going to record it? Oh, yeah, who's got charge? I've got charge. Okay. Yeah, record. Press record. <laughs> yeah. Put it on the chat later. Okay, sweet. We'll see what we're doing. So playing with all these different bands, that must have really hardened you up. It did harden us up. Yeah. 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 It became, yeah, each time, each time we'd go out, a little bit of the band that we played would, would rub off on us. Yeah. You know, we did all sorts of supports, man. The Gurus, the Hunters. Do Re Me, I think mm. we supported one time. It was lots of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. The Buzzcocks. Wow. Remember when they came out, we, we, we did a support to them. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a really good mm. you know, time and, just, and riding. And then yeah. and next thing you know, we're on a plane to New York and we got a deal. And yes. we're going to go and record this first record. Yeah. So you recorded it overseas? Yes. Uh, the first half of it, we we did the basic tracking at a studio called Bearsville in uh, Woodstock, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a facility owned by um, the widow of Bob Dylan's manager, Albert Grossman. Wow. Um, Dylan has recorded, like, there's so many 
bands that have recorded there. Yeah. And Woodstock was a like, bit of a stronghold of the band itself, Robbie Robertson and those guys. Oh, so really? That, yeah, they, we, we stayed in uh, a house where Richard Manuel, the keyboard player from from the band, yes, um, his widow lived underneath in the basement of this house that we stayed in. There was this old energy, man, this proper legendary energy, energy there. We, yeah. We, 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 um, the, the mixing, because one of the reasons why we chose this studio, it had a Neve mixing desk and had Studer two-inch tape machines. Right. Uh, and um, the producer was Mike, a guy called Mike Chapman, uh-huh. who'd done like what, a billion other things. But because yeah. we were signed with this label called Amargo, Terry Ellis was the head of Chrysalis. And Chapman... Chrysalis did all the Blondie stuff. Right. right. And Chapman did the Blondie stuff, you know, Heart of Glass, yeah. everything like that. But, you know, of course, you know, he's produced My Sharona. He wrote all the Susie Quattro stuff. He wrote, he's written so many great songs. Yeah. So, and he's an Aussie. Wow. Yeah. So we got on great. No it brainer. No brainer. It was yeah. A, it was a, he loved Susie, he loved the songs. We did, um, oh, first we did a week of pre-production in New York, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. We took our engineer, because we had a live engineer, studio engineer, uh, Kevin Caveman Shirley. Right. So, uh, before he became the legendary Kevin Caveman Shirley. Yeah. Um, we went over to New York, did pre-production in Manhattan, yeah. which was just a buzz anyway, man. It was just like the best time. You know, yeah. we'd work all day and then go out all night and get kicked <laughs> out of places, get... Because oh at this goodness. time you were like 25, 26 years old, 27? Yeah, yeah, 26. Yeah. I was. Oh, yeah, we went nuts, oh, man. Dude. Absolutely and nuts. And what about the other guys in the band? Were they a similar age? Oh, they're way older. <laughs> way older at the time, no? I'm not sure. Oh, they, I think they had a couple of years on me. It's, it's, okay, but you're all- and myself are the same age. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but all yeah. still in your like mid to late 20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Just kids going nuts. We went nuts. Yeah, we went nuts, man. It was a, the be- it was a really funny time. It was probably yeah. ten days of pre production. We'd work hard during the day. Yeah, because Chapman would take us into the studio and we'd have these demos, you know, mm-hmm. and he would listen and he'd just pull them apart. Mm. You go lose that bit, put that bit there. Do this, do that. Now run through it and stand there and conduct the band while we went through his arrangement of our song. Whoa, like a proper producer should. Yes, you know. It was such a good learning curve. I mean, like the beginning of early warning, the too young to know, too old to listen. Yeah, yeah. That was that was always where it is in that as a tag between, be, you know, as a tag into the chorus. Yes. But he said, that bit, you start with that bit. Yeah. That's like such a hook, man. That's yeah, like, man. there's, your, there's your, your premise. There's your entry. Like that sort of stuff. In. He'd make those sort of calls, you know? Calls, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really clever. Yeah, man. From great pop sensibility. I mean, having written all those billions of hits, you know. Yeah. Was a, that's a no-brainer for him. Just, oh, that that goes there. This goes here. This goes here. Okay, you got it. Ready? Two, three, four. And we just run through these yeah, the songs the in this form. rehearsal room. In yeah. This thing. And he, it was like boot camp. Mm. But it was it was so good. We we got really good at yeah. playing the songs. Yeah. Yep. And so when it came to recording, it was like, well, we pretty much know what we need to do. Yeah. Just get, getting, you know, getting good sounds and just getting good performances of stuff that was pretty well... Pre-planned, yeah, you know, yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, what a, what an experience that oh, must have been for all of you guys. You know, it's, it's funny having just, just you know describing it just then, reliving it. Yeah, but yeah, we were really fortunate. Yeah, very fortunate to be doing to having that that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. and obviously you look back and you can appreciate it because I mean, 
the label's paying <clears throat> for you to go over there to work with this world-renowned, you know, producer, engineer. Mm. He's, yep. he's, he's, you've already got the songs. They're already amazing. But then he's putting the magic fairy dust on top of them to make them even better. Yep. And then you go into the studio to record them um, for the album. For the album. Um, yep. And was it all done in that one time frame or did you have to go back and forth or... We did it, um, well, it was done in two different locations. So the first one was, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in Bearsville in Woodstock, yeah. which housed um, this old Neve mixing console that Pete Townsend recorded Won't Get Fooled Again uh. on, and I spilled a beer down it. Um, <laughs> as you do. As you do. He probably did too before me, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, which Neil Finn now owns that that desk. That actual apparently. desk. Yeah, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of... Um, the studio, the Sound City thing that Dave Grohl did. Dave Grohl did, about yeah. He wanted desk. that desk in his house, that didn't desk. he? Eh? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. had to pull it apart bit by bit. Yes. So, yeah, we did a lot. We did oh, a few weeks in there, I think mm. a couple of weeks up there. Then we went out to this uh, other studio on, on Long Island. Right. And stayed in Harry Chapin's uncle's house. Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle. We stayed in this uh, guy this guy called Jake Chapin, owned this uh, huh. mansion. So they put us up in this mansion and we went crazy there too. <laughs> oh my God. That is so cool. It was man. really cool. And, then, and, yeah. and filled in the gaps Yeah, pretty much there. You know, there was bits like the intro to one word hasn't, hadn't been completely sort of sorted out yet. So that mm -hmm. was written at that time. Right. Uh, there was other, just other bits, but it just kept on getting better. It yeah. really did, you know, every, yeah. every time. And, you know, Mike was there from, from 11. We'd roll in, hung over and... <laughs> Also, having gone to this bar that we used to go to every every night called JD Gates, and they knew us like we were like locals there, you know, yeah, what I mean? we were yeah. like family, so they loved us because we'd go crazy, crazy Aussies, you know. Yeah, and Mike would be there every 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 day at at ten thirty, eleven, ready to work. Let's go, let's, let's go, go. bang through it and keep going. And yeah, yeah, it was a good experience, man. It was really good. That's so rad. Mm. And so you record the record. Um, and was it mastered over there as well, or I think it was mastered by Sterling Sound in New York. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Back in those days, it was pretty much out of control, out of our control. Yes, we just get the performances and everything like that. But as far as mixing, producing, mastering, I mean, we had a. I guess we had a. a we contribute as far as what the best track listing would be. Sure, but it was all pretty much once once it was in, it was it was in the lap of the gods. Yeah, right. virtually gods. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Wow! And you come home with that um, album um, in your hands, the cassette of it. Yeah, the cassette. Yeah, of the record of the mixes of the mixes, and then they get pressed to compact disc. Yes, <laughs> yes, and vinyl. And vinyl. Yeah, the first one was originally uh, um, a vinyl and a yeah, CD release, yeah. and a cassette release, and a cassette release. Yeah, yeah. and a ca single, and, and a and singles as well, yeah. and, and CD singles. Because yeah. the label put it out on everything. I'm assuming. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I've got them all did. at home. I got them all in a in a packet at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
And then, I mean, now we know the rest of the story. I mean, you guys um, become household names literally within 12 months of that album coming out, you know. Mm. Those songs hit after hit, you know. Um, whenever I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing Dave from the Baby Animals. Like, oh, here's Baby Animals. Like, you know, like, one word. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know oh, that one. song. <laughs> I know that song. You know what I mean? They really are like those household tunes that just everybody knows, especially Aussies, you know. Mm. Um, they know those tunes. And so having now... You know, come from cutting your teeth, doing the support spots and getting yelled at and getting abused by all these people. Now coming home and like, you know, releasing this these songs and, and it, it going back gangbusters, the crowds are now on your side. That must have felt fucking amazing. It was. I remember the first time we were playing at the Great Northern Hotel in Chatswood and it was us and Caligula, I think we were on the support. And it was, yeah, not long after we'd come back, or not long after Early Warning had been released. Yes. And Triple M was all over it. And I remember the first time I heard it driving, it it started, and I just went straight back into studio analytical mode, and I didn't realise that it was actually on the radio. Yeah. I'm driving along going, it's on the radio. It's like, wow, wow, cool, man. Yeah. But then I still go back into, oh, God, that, oh, that note. Oh, Jesus, can I recut that solo? (laughs) Oh. Oh, you're you know, still you thinking go, that even oh, though it's on the radio. Yeah, you're still thinking it, you know. <laughs> I think, oh, God, would, can I just have another crack at that? I think I could do it better, yeah, man. Yeah, I could do it better. Just pull it off the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was a good feeling knowing that yeah, it was on the radio. so cool. And then we had a, 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 we had a tour manager, front of house guy as well. Yeah. So he, he went up early and we were just going to drive. We were all Sydney based. So we were just going to drive up. Right. You know, I think we had a little, oh, they might, we might have had a hire car. But yeah. I was going to go and pick up the rest of the, rest of the guys and everything. And then I remember he, the phone, home phone rings. And he says, oh, it's Frank. And they go, oh, how are you, man? He goes, oh, when you get here, how long you, how long you have to leave you? I said, I'm just about to go. I'm just about to walk out the door. When you get here, kind of don't go to the club. Because, huh. like, maybe go past or there's an alleyway down the back or whatever, but just go to the next block because there's fucking people everywhere. Whoa. It's, like, jam-packed. You won't be able to get in. So holy shit! Yeah, and that was the first time I was like, "Wow, okay, this is like, it's really moving now." It's really happening, you know? yeah. And we did North Wollongong Hotel the next night, and the same thing happened. We drove down, and we drove, and there was all these people out the front. We had to drive through people to get to to get to the load thing. in. It wasn't quite Beatlemania or you know but Savage still, Garden man. mania, but it Savage was Garden. pretty. It, it was impressive. <laughs> It was impressive. A a Savage Garden Well, that was like them. (laughs) They were like that. Did they get that big at one point? They got that big at one point in the States, man, yeah. In the States, Yeah, we got that big in Wollongong. Yeah. (laughs) Savage Garden. Had to drive through people to get to the gig. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and it was so, it was a little gig and it was so hot. Sue's like passed out on stage. Yeah. Nearly, it was no air in there and it was, it just, at that point, it just started to really go. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And then we were sort of getting really good supports and mm. there, was a, there was a great moment that we'd come down to Melbourne yeah, and then we started getting food backstage. I've still got a picture at home. of I might do it at a Throwback Thursday one day of the first food rider we got, you yeah. know, cold cuts and fruit. No shit. Yeah, man, that was impressive. <laughs> you were able to put in like, yep, I want all the, the brown, uh, you know, M&Ms taken out of the bowl, please, you know. <laughs> Quite got to there. I was happy just to get a bit of bloody salami, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can make a bit of a Devon sandwich before you go on. Unbelievable. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, it was good. 
I've only ever, I think we did a show once um, with a, with my old band. We did a gig up in, um, it was somewhere like, uh, no, not Wollongong. It's, it starts with a W, wherever it was. Warnable, I think it was, actually, oh, okay. at the yeah. loft. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and we, we, it was like a festival or whatever, but for whatever reason, we, we were headlining because um, the organiser, I think, saw the band like at the ESPY one night and said, oh, we, we want you, we, I want you guys, you know, to play, you know, for the festival. I went backstage. And there was this fucking killer rider, man. Unreal. And I was like, look at these, we're rock stars, bro. <laughs> Not at all. But the rider was impressive. There was That's great. bowls of this and that and beer fridge full, stocked full of stuff. Yeah. I think we even took a photo of the beer fridge going, look at this shit, you know. <laughs> We've made it, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Look, mum, I've made it, you know. <laughs> and I know then, my my favourite type of food is catering. Yes. Yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> if it's free, musos are into it, mate. <laughs> I love it. sure. Love it. Oh, Oh man, so the lines around and and so how did you actually mentally process that? Like was it like did it go to your head at all or like were you able to kind of like put on the show and be professional? Like was there any times where you kind of like got a little bit too ahead of yourself? Oh, probably many. Really? Yeah, yeah, probably, you know. Um, yeah. Probably after after the album had sold and everything like that. It's Yeah. Yeah, cuz it got really really busy then, you know. Yeah. And I I fooled myself into thinking that it was going to be like this forever. Mm. Yeah, this is great, man. This is we're home and hose now. Yeah, it's going to be like this forever. Right. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that one kind of bites you in the ass. Right. Mm. Yeah. Because the one little thing that I did catch on the YouTube's today was um, uh, Tommy G was interviewing Susie on the panel before you came on and played a little bit of acoustic. Oh yeah. For her for her um, uh, uh, solo record in 1999, mm-hmm. going back a while, um, and she was talking about how the second record kind of fell because they kind of pushed you guys to kind of release it really really quickly. Yeah, we is that spe- right? Yeah, because we went out and we did that uh, Van, you know, uh, Brian Adams tour, then we went and touring with Van Halen and stuff like that. Wow! And we did a bit of writing, but we. <sighs> We were You were on the road. We were on the road. We were, we did a lot of partying, man. We did yeah. you know, it was a lot of a whole lot of fun, man. Being out with, with Van Halen was, was a lot of fun. Holy shit. So I mean we did, there was writing done. Yeah. But we weren't conscious of, of the fact that we had to kind of follow it up that quickly. We were just still riding that, that wave. Yeah, and right. And selling selling the first record. The first record, yeah. And so in a way we kind of got it was a little um premature. Right, second yeah. record, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of the songs were still kind of in skeletons when we started recording them, and so then we were trying stuff out in the studio as opposed to the first one where you had all this we kind of pre-pro. Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of pre-production on the the second one as well, but it was yeah. still still finding our feet. They were still being written. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. It's a big them. difference. Mm, Far mm. out. And so tell me about these tours that you did after the back of the success of the first album. You said you did um, Van Halen. We did like 60 plus dates with Van Halen. All around them. Australia or, or around, around America? Around America? Yeah, man. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. We did 48 states. Yeah. Mm. And the re- album was released over there as well? Yes. We were signed to an American label. Right, so right. We had, it was... Uh, yeah, we were getting MTV airplay. Yeah, Painless was getting MTV, mm-hmm. which was really good. Which got us the tour because Ed Van Halen's wife was a fan. Right. Valerie Bertinelli was a fan, and she told yeah. him about us. Yes, and we happened to have the same agency or something like that, and it all just went clunk. Beauty, you're opening. So it was just us and them. Oh my god! So we do forty minutes of our hardest hitting stuff. Yeah, and then come off, and there's a drink rider and Van Halen are in twenty minutes. <laughs> 
What are you going to do? <laughs> so what good. are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic, man. Yeah. Wow. So, lots of gigs. Lots. Hung out with them. Yeah. Um, we became part of the kind of the family, you know. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any stories from that tour that we that you could share that, like, you know, we we could maybe get a kick out of? Um, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. But um, they they toured on a really really high end level. There's right. Like yeah. Ten semi trailers worth of gear. Yeah. Um, they'd fly in and everywhere. Was we'd bus it from place to place and get into the get into the stadium and have the showers and the dressing rooms and stuff like that. And then they'd fly in. Ah. And Ed would fl- Ed would fly. They'd fly in. And then Ed'd come and find us. Huh. You know, because he liked to drink at that at that point, and yeah, uh, yeah, we'd be sitting down the end of the hall there with a couple of little amps and a bucket of beer, and he'd be like, "No, yeah, he goes, hey, hey, Ed, come on in, man." He'd grab a guitar, and we'd play ACDC, and really, yeah, yeah, we'd have to leave. We'd sometimes be like, "Well, um, we got to go and play, so play. make yourself at home, <laughs> make yourself at home, you know, have some more beer." Do whatever, yeah, and yeah. we'll be back in kind of forty-five, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he'd still be there. He would still be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Jamming, you know, we had these little PV bandits. Oh my god! And he'd have his guitar with him all the time because he always had a guitar with him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, great fun, man, and, and getting to play with that guy. Yes. You can't buy that. You just can't buy it. Was it? It was literally a dream come true. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Literally a dream come true. It was, My it was really, gosh. really good, man. You, you never thought, you know, growing up uh, uh, in uh, the central coast of New South Wales, that you know, you'd be supporting Eddie Van Halen, Van mm. Halen, and having to say, "We kind of have to leave you now, Eddie, and go play. Go, we're play, go do our set, but we'll so, be back." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do your thing. <laughs> do your thing. Where yeah. it was awkward to the point where it became awkward. Yeah, um, man, we got to um, go. So you know, yeah, and then you know, we'd, we'd hang out, hang out afterwards, or yeah, and then yeah. then Van Halen would play. So you have the opportunity of either going, you could go, well, you could go front of house if you want, or you could yeah. go to Ed's side of stage, sure, and listen to his his. He had like his on stage rig, plus he had two quad boxes underneath the stage for monitoring for his guy. Huh. So that so and also just for extra air movement, Alex had two a quad box either side of him as well, just right? To just for vibe, yes. So that when he hit it, when he hit something, it came from everywhere. Everywhere, the guitar sound was everywhere. Or you could go over to Michael Anthony's side where there was a cocktail bar, <laughs> what? and there was like a margarita machine and a bit of a strip, like a go-go dancing cage. And As part of the show? No, no, I didn't know the show. No, the, the, the audience couldn't see this shit, man. <laughs> What? Yeah. This is, they actually had in their rider, we need a bar set up on the side of the stage. Well, that was the, the, the Tiki Terrace, they called it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was Michael Anthony. The Anthony's Tiki Terrace. And it was usually not open for business until about four songs in. So they let, let them get a vibe yes. and everything like that. And it's like, okay, the Tiki Terrace is open. What's your pleasure? I'll have a frozen <laughs> margarita, thank you. <laughs> And so the support and, bands would get on it, but also they would go back in between songs and, and get on it as well. Yeah, or, yeah. Often with the drum solo, Mikey would come back and have a course, drink with right. us yeah, or Ed's yeah. guitar solo. And then Ed's guitar solo would finish and they'd do Eruption and there'd be like the A-G-D bass notes in Eruption. Sometimes Mikey wouldn't be bothered. He'd get his, he'd get his bass tech to play it. Because, yeah, <laughs> can you do it tonight? The guy's so standing off stage doing these three things while Mikey's like, 
hanging out with us. Oh my god. He's a lovely fella, man. I cannot speak highly enough of that dude. Yeah. Far out. He was he he really um was a really nice fella to us. That he had is a, so such cool. a good time, man. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Hello, Mike Anthony. Yeah. Far out, yeah. man. But we got on great, you know, with the yeah. crazy Aussies and Yeah, man. You know, the Van Halen brothers were cool. They they they're a two man gang. Mm. You know, and Sammy Sammy Hagar was seeing at the time and he was yeah, nice. He kind of did his own thing, but sure. treated us well. Yeah, you know, we we jammed on the last night of one of the runs because we did two big legs with them. Right, we did like a couple of months, and then we'd go. We went to Europe and did a, a month of club shows. Yes, and then went back out for another run. It was a long. It was a long stretch. It was a long yeah. stretch on the road. Yeah, um, we'd get up and have a jam. They got up uh, with us and did Highway Star mm-hmm. on the last night of the first leg, I think. Mm-hmm. And Mikey sang it because he's got that high voice. Edward and I uh, did the. Harmony guitar parts, oh, nice. stuff like that, man. Yeah, yeah. dream come true, that dream come is true. So cool. Yeah, he used Susan's fifty-one fifty. I was using my, yeah, mine. We had fifty-one fifty amps and all yeah, that. Sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was great. It Th- was, and a that would have been a real um, buzz for the audience as well. <clears throat> oh, to see them on stage with us. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're yeah. like, wow, man, these guys are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, it, and it validated us as well. Well, most to them. definitely, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, it's these like, guys are cool. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. They were giving you like their tick of approval by doing that and saying that you know you got to give these guys some some kudos because you know they can throw down. Yeah, yeah, it was Far really cool. Out. And then we we got up on stage with them um, as well and did rock and roll, Led Zeppelin. Oh, awesome! And so I remember it was uh, myself, Dweezil Zappa was up there as well. Yep. And Eddie swapping solos. Far you know. out. What a spin out, man. <laughs> it was a spin out. It's spinning me out to thinking about thinking it. Thinking about yeah. it, this actually happened. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny. Crazy. And so you mentioned another band that you did a tour with as well. Uh, we did Brian Adams first. Brian Adams. That was before Van Halen. Before we, we went Van through Halen. Europe with Brian Adams. Okay, what was yeah. that like? That was great too. Very cold. We're in the middle of winter. Really? But he was... Um, he was touring the um, Waking Up the Neighbours album, mm-hmm. like that massive album that had all those hits. So we're doing like arenas. We're doing like um, yeah. 12 to 20,000s kind of thing, you know, arenas through Europe, opening up, playing big, yeah, big audiences, man. There were big crowds. Oh, my gosh. Is that is that the one, is that the record with Summer 69 on it? No, it's the one with... Um, the Robin Hood Tune. The Robin Hood tune, the Can't Stop That Thing We Started. Um, oh, what a, there was a, there's a few. Yeah, I just can't few. recall them, call yeah, them right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, So they were big radio hits for Massive him at the time. Record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Everything I do, I do it for you. That, that, that was deal. the one. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Robin Hood, um, mm. uh, King of Thieves, I believe it was oh, called. Oh, was it? Yes, right. Robin Hood, King of Thieves. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go and see Brian Adams next Thursday night. Well, oh, really? Would have been last, depending on when this gets broadcast. Broadcast, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, in, they're at Rod Laver Arena, and uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I, sent, I sent Keith Scott a message the other day, going, "Man, it'd be good to catch up." Yeah, they're lovely guys too, man. We were blessed. We got to tour with some really good bands, and like bands that didn't—they don't have to prove themselves. You know what I mean? There's no, no. competition. They're not threatened by you. No, it's, just, it's all one big happy family. Yeah, you yeah. know, and they so they. They really, yeah, they and treat it must you well have been, and take you in. must know? have been lovely um, having, you know, gone through that um, trial by fire with all the Aussie bands that just, you know, really just frothing to see Chisel and, and Gurus and whoever else that was. And then, you know, being able to play with these mega stars, not that, you know, the Aussie acts weren't really, really big, but being welcomed, you know. Yeah. 
and the the crowds in the states and Europe aren't you know yelling get off or anything like that. They're like, yeah, they're on board with what you're doing. You know, for the most part, they were. They were. Some of them were a little kind of a little um, bit. But once yeah. you guys were started, they would have you would have won them over pretty quick. Especially through the US, the Midwest, man. Yeah, they would they'd throw hat, baseball hats on stage and shoes. What? But that's a good thing. That was a good thing. That's a good thing. Huh. Yeah, people throw your base their baseball hat at you is apparently a good thing. Huh. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, a bit of clothing came up. <laughs> no, no knickers or anything, but other articles. Other articles of clothing. <laughs> Shoes and baseball Shoes, caps. Yeah, we had a shoe one time. Oh, my gosh. I'm assuming that was good. Maybe it was bad. Who knows? Yeah, but anyway, I took it as a good sign. Oh, most definitely. You know, yeah. I was... a mile in his shoes and, you know, right? a mile away and he has no shoes. Now you got no shoes. Yeah. So I guess it's a compliment because now he's going to walk home with no shoes. No shoes. <laughs> Holy shit. I did this one gig in my early 20s at the Barwon Heads Hotel. It was like a cover band gig that we were doing. And it was in the in the peak time of summer. It was, it was a freaking big gig. Like, um, it was like a thousand people in the room. So you, could, you, you couldn't really see. It was, it was a lot of people. Anyway, we're playing like, I think it was, no, this was 2002, 2003. We're doing mm. like Tribute by Tenacious D, you know, because that's right. the biggest wow, song in the world. Wow, big call. That's a big song. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that song, It's the greatest man. song in the, in the world. That's it, man. Yeah. yeah. And I'm playing that song and I just get shocked right in the head with a, with a, a, a it was like a, a Pot, a, a pot glass, but it wasn't glass. It was it was plastic, it was plastic, right? But right. still, it, it you know being yeah. thrown at you. It wasn't pleasant. Yeah, and so I like, kind of shook it off, you know, and kept playing. As soon as I finished the song, this big Maori, um, you know, security guard comes up and he goes, "Did you see who threw that at you?" I go, "Yeah, man, it was that bloke in the uh, the bright pink polo shirt with with his collar." Up. Nice. <laughs> he goes, no worries. He that that shirt ain't going to be pink for too long. <laughs> no. He V-lined for him and kicked, kicked him the fuck out of there, man. <laughs> so the only times I've ever had things thrown at me was, was when they would, you know, for whatever reason, didn't like Tenacious D. But who the fuck doesn't like Tenacious D? You'd have to have well, rocks, rocks in your head, geez, you? it's a big call wearing a pink polo shirt, not liking something. <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. Boy. <laughs> what a muppet. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh there you go man yeah. so yeah oh that's brilliant but we had some yeah big audiences and stuff yeah yeah man yeah it was it was good and so um yeah that that would have been like and like you said you you were thinking at the time oh this is my career now this is what we're going to be doing da, 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 mm. da, da. you release a second record and yeah tell me what happens then like i mean we kind of touched it on it before it didn't sell as well but did you still go out and tour it and everything oh we still went out and Toured the hell out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was, we were still sort of working on the States. We were signed to the American label. They weren't as enthusiastic about the second release um, mm. for obvious reasons, you know. Mm. Um, but we went out and did it anyway. We knew it was yeah. going to be a hard sell. Yeah, yeah. And we just did a lot of American clubs. We did a, this big club run. We were out for months. Right. And toured ourselves into the ground, you know. Yeah. Sometimes playing to a lot of people, sometimes playing to no people, depending on mm. a lot of the places that we'd do, gone with Van Halen the, the couple of years previously. Yeah. So sort of, there was a groundswell there at least, you know. So yeah, you probably yeah. get a couple of hundred. Sure. But it was a, it was a hard slog. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of, a lot of hours in the bus. A lot of arguing, there was, oh, you know, all man. that sort of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? When it's yeah. when you're kind of pushing up uh, uphill a little bit, it, sure, it it, it, um, it tests your enthusiasm, yeah, and your patience and everything, <laughs> and your patience and stuff. Yeah, 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 far out, Dave. Yeah, yeah. 
But it was, and, um, uh, we yeah. did a, a tour with Robert Plant in oh, that wow. time. Oh, yeah. And did about a month with him, which was great, meeting him and seeing him play those songs oh. in a different band, but great band still. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was good. And those audiences were, were pretty receptive. As well. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when did you start doing like your own thing? Because I know um, when we, we were first chatting here, um, when you first came in here tonight, you were mentioning that you're going to be releasing something that Ricky Ray engineered. Yeah. Uh, I, hopefully it'll get released at some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on a couple of things at the moment. Just, just they were stuff that um, didn't really fit the baby animal kind of okay. uh, format, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm having a hack at singing on them. Yes. Which I don't know. I'll leave the listener up to whether or not that's was successful or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's, yeah, it's good, you know. It took me long enough to do it, you know. Yeah. And it's not How easy How long have you been do. working on it for? Oh, well, a year. But, you know. Yeah. 50 years. <laughs> oh, that's nothing in, um, you know, yeah. muso terms. My gosh. Yeah. A um, year is hardly any time at all. I'm I'm struggling in certain elements of it, but I'd really mm. like to to at least get some sort of uh, statement finished yeah. Yeah. at some point. You know, is it an album's worth of material? Probably not yet. Not yet. But no, you, no. do you want it to be an album? Or I'd maybe... like, yeah, I'd like to to be at least you know eight or nine songs. Track. Yeah, really yeah, good. nice, yeah, yeah. nice. So um, uh, so even though it's not released, do you actually want me to play a little portion of that at the start of the um of the podcast? If you don't mind, I can you know, just definitely. For giggles. Which, yeah. which track would you like me to play? Ah, uh, this one's called it's called Indiana Dirt. Indiana Dirt. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So we will have heard Indiana Dirt by Dave Leslie, engineered by old mate uh, Ricky, Ricky Ray, Ray with the big mop. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so it's come up pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, it's come cool. up all right. Indiana yeah. Dirt. All right, we'll have heard we'll have heard that. Um, and um, tell me about what you're doing now. So, like, you're doing that, but obviously you're still touring and still everything. Touring with, baby animals with baby animals. Yeah, yeah we're out yeah. on the red, we've been out on the Red Hot Summer tour. Yes, which is great. You know. Good audiences. It's, yeah. Uh, we're about third act down the bill, so we only have to play for 45 minutes. So Beautiful. It's a, the perfect crime, you know. Yeah. Um, you get fed and all that sort of stuff. Um, we are going out on a tour with Killing Heidi. Oh, nice. In a couple of months. That's going to be cool. be a really good run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll be, that's a good double bill, I reckon. That'll yeah. be really cool. That will be cool. Um, I'm still playing in numerous you know, different bands. Yes. Um, yeah. Who else are you playing with, Dave? A band called Raw Brit. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, Peter Maslin, uh, Mick Peeling, yep. Johnny Favaro playing sixties and seventies British rock right. tunes. Uh, Bob Spencer was playing in that band, but his commitments with Rose Tattoo now have um, not allowed him to do so. But I mean, it's still his band. Yes. But well, I'm booked to do a bunch of gigs, and hopefully, we'll get two of us on at one point, which would be really good. Yeah. I yeah. played with Bob a couple of times in the Party Boys back in New South Wales. Right. That was good, man. He's probably my favourite guy to play with guitar wise because yeah. it's a different, you know, different approach. But it's re- he's really inspiring. He's got such a great tone, and he's such a great player. Bob Spencer. Yeah, he's a good fella too. So you know. But yeah, that band, um, I yep. play a little bit in the Voices Supergroup with Jason Singh and Dale Ryder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, that, and that Bowie thing that the they're Bowie also doing. And the Bowie thing with Rusty as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So you're a very busy man. I'm trying to do whatever comes across the desk, man. Yeah, man. You know, and I've got I've got a, my own little band called the Dave Leslie Band. Yes. Uh, we're doing a gig at the Cherry Bar. Oh, really? Yeah. Before yep. it closes down Before at closes. ACD. Yep. ACDC Lane. Mm. Nice. When's that going to be? It's going to be Sunday the 24th of March. Sunday the 24th of March. So I think that may be in the past, 
by the time <laughs> by the time this drops. <laughs> well, I hope that if everyone was, if anyone was listening to this that they were there, I hope it was a really good night. Yes, but guys, if you did miss out, I apologise. Um, but look, you know, you don't have to go far to find Dave Leslie. They'll be around. I, you will be around. Yeah, mate. we'll be around. There'll I'm be there'll be lots of gigs to be had. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a plan B, so playing the guitar <laughs> yeah. is pretty much all I can do. Yeah. So, and before we kicked up, before we kick on completely, uh, we did have a little chance to catch up before we started chatting, and we actually have something in common. We both have twins. Yeah, we're both the fathers of twins. Yeah. Well, holy shit, man. Yeah. So my Crazy, girls huh? are um, are five years old. Well, they're turning five in April, rather. Right. Um, but they're fraternal. They're not identical. So am I. Right. Yours are fraternal as well. Two eggs. And yeah. they're boys. Yeah. And they're boys. And they're 18. They're 18 now. Oh, man. Yeah, man. That must be wild. It is pretty funny. And are they yeah. into music as well? They like music, but yeah. they don't. They don't play. Um, I've got three boys, and and none of them play. The older huh. one played drums and bass for a little while. But, yeah. But they all like it. They they're music fans, and they go yeah, and see yeah. bands and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But um, no, they never quite got the the bug. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something no, that re- um, they all got real jobs. They all got well. kind of not un- not unhappy about actually. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I know. It's like. I don't know. Like my my girls are only five, but when when I was five, I I knew I wanted to play music. Like I asked my mum, I want to be a drummer. Right. I want drum lessons, please, mum. She said, "Ask me again when you're ten. Fair enough. Right. Okay. I, which I've told on the pod a million times. But you know, and then when I was ten, I said I want to play drums, and then she eventually caved. Yeah. But um, they haven't. I mean, they're they're turning five in April, and it's only March now, so they've still got a month to come to me and and have that thing kind of struck in them and go, I wanna I wanna play this or I wanna play that, right? You know, mm, but um, mm. if it doesn't happen, I, I don't know how disappointed I'll be. I don't you know. know. As long as they're they're happy doing yeah doing something, you as long know, as they're happy focus. and healthy, I can't really complain, I yeah. suppose. But in in the back of my mind, I'm like, gee, I hope they become a music a music. It's just such a. Yeah. I mean, you know. Without doing it as a career, it's just such a great yeah. outlet. You know, Most it's definitely. a great vocation. It's really good, and yeah, and I de- yeah, definitely recommend it for just you know learning and just. Just to enhance your existence. Yeah, playing guitar really enhances your existence. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah it really. And does. you're saying you teach as well? Oh, I, no, you I used to, but do you, yeah, I used to. But you don't anymore. Um, I do the occasional Skype lesson. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So hit me up on Dave at DaveLeslie.com. Oh no, what is it? Uh, sessions. At DaveLeslie.com.au. Nice, um, nice. Hit me, hit me up and yeah. can maybe organise a Skype session and stuff like that. That's cool, man. Which is good. I used to get them up until a few years ago. I was getting lessons from a dude in the States. Yeah, right. called Doug Rappaport who plays- You the, were getting he, lessons from him. I was getting him. lessons. Yeah, man. He's wow. He's a badass. <laughs> He's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. He plays in the um, the Edgar Winter group. Right. Yeah. Um, He's all over YouTube, man. Yeah. Do, do yourself the favour. And check He's him out. An, an immense guitar player. Like, mind-blowingly good. Nuno yeah, actually put yeah. me onto him. Yeah. So who, who put you on him? N- Nuno. Nuno. Yeah. Susie's husband, uh, ex-husband. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nuno Extreme, yeah. So there you go. And um, he just said, hey, check this guy out. And then I'm looking at this YouTube thing one time of him playing this thing called Rap rip or something like that, rip rap mm. of him in his bedroom, bedroom smoking on the guitar. Mm. And then this little thing, this little banner comes across going, Interested in lessons? Email me at so and so, so and so. So I'm like, jumped straight on it. Yes. And he's straight back. And then so we got this 
I did probably maybe 30 lessons with wow, him. Wow, that's cool. Something like a Wednesday. It was like a Tuesday night for him. Yeah. He's sitting there having a couple, you know, glass of red wine. I'm yeah. Sitting, it was Wednesday afternoon for me. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Each one of these lessons, like a half hour lesson, oh, mind-blowingly good. I've just got like reams and reams of notes. Wow. And notes and just, just to listen to this guy play. You know, he said, what, what do you want to go through today? And they were like... I don't know, man. Just play. I just want to watch you play. <laughs> I really don't care what we do. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's he's such a great guitar player. That yeah. is super cool, man. Mm, I can't I can't say enough about what influence that is. What so, he does, so cool. Yeah. yeah, and we're very lucky that we we live in an age where that is a possibility. You know, um, if you want to learn an instrument, even if you're not getting actual private skyped lessons, you can just bring it up on YouTube. Some, you know, Marty at guitarjams.com will show yeah. you how to play. Is it funny? He, isn't he great? Have you seen that? I haven't guy? seen Marty at Guitar yeah. Jams. No, no. But um, there's always someone there that's going to you know be able to show you how to play it. Get around it. Even yeah. like learning covers and stuff. I noticed just yeah. from having done that if yeah. you ever get stomped on a part you put it in youtube and some guys already worked done all the hard work for you someone's figured it, it out this is how it goes thank you thank that you that saved me a half an hour <laughs> yeah had to try to figure out that part without you know trying to pull my hair out at the same time yeah yeah oh dave it's been wow it's been so good chatting with you Thanks, man. Yeah, Tonight, likewise, it's been really good fun. The, yeah. the, uh, just, just so the listeners know, Dave and I have never met. Yep. Ever. Um, and uh, you can hear uh, in our conversation that um, uh, we've got a good rapport. And yes. And that's um, most to do with you, mate, because you're, you're very welcoming and um, a charming uh, man. And I appreciate your time coming and having a chat with me on the art of touring, man. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to have done so. Now, so is there anything? You, oh, I really appreciate it, man. Now, is there anything that you want to cover before we finish up? That, like, you know, or or, or, or oh, are we good? I, mean, I think we're okay. I mean, yeah? obviously, there's 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 certain elements of stuff that I could have ha- have elaborated on. Elaborated on, but yeah, I, I yeah. Don't know, maybe we could save it for another time. I'd be yeah, happy to cool. come back and do a part two or something a part like two. that. part two, yeah, yeah. If you get any maybe specific kind of questions or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm more than happy to do that, man. Awesome, yeah. man. Cool. For sure. Well, um, maybe we'll see you another day on the Art That'd of Turing. be good. If the coffee's this good, I'll be back. <laughs> I have to apologise. <laughs> I, I didn't stir it enough, so I, I don't know about you, but my one kept getting little globs of goodness like Yeah, it, that's good, though. Is that a good yeah, thing? Yeah, that's a good Okay. That creamy whitener thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thanks, Dave. Well, um, yeah, as we said, check out Dave on the road, all of his social channels. Check out the baby animals when they're touring. Check out Dave when he's touring. And we'll see you on the road, mate. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for having me. See you, man. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. And that is a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 50, all done, done and dusted, in the bag, wrapped up in a nice little little bow, forget about it, 50, done. Let's see if we can make another 50, eh? One hundy, gosh. 
We'll see how we go. Hey, thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the podcast, uh, you've just come here to listen to Dave Leslie and you're thinking, oh, this is... This is not bad. I might add this to my weekly podcast regime. I hope you do. I hope you do come back next week and keep listening. I have a new guest each week, so you are most welcome to join the Art of fa- art of Family, Art of Touring Family, by becoming a regular listener. I call them sizzlers. Do you want to be a sizzler? Sure you do. Everyone wants to be a sizzler. All the cool kids are doing it, man. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me, uh, then you can. Please just email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show if you're a touring musician, a performer, or a wrestler. Hit me up. Uh, or send me a message on Instagram at Art of Touring Podcast, or find me on the Facebook page, Art of Touring Podcast on Facebook, and message me there as well. You can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka, and you can download it on iTunes. Now, this is the part of the podcast where I strongly encourage you to go on to your little device and leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps. I've got about 19 reviews, I think, um, which is pretty good, but I'd love some more. Maybe get that algorithm up and who knows, maybe Apple Podcasts might actually put me on the front page one day. Wouldn't that be neat? Now let's get into some plugs. The outro music for The Art of Touring is a song called Start a Fire by The Passouts, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Passouts on all digital platforms. And if you'd like to grab a physical copy on either CD or glorious coloured vinyl, then go to thepassoutsband.bandcamp.com where you can get all the merchandise, including T-shirts, stickers, posters, and even skateboards. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I do have a few shout Shout out, shout out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week for episode 50, Mr. Dave Leslie. Be sure to check out Dave uh, and his band, the Dave Leslie Band, and of course the Baby Animals when they are touring in your area. And follow Dave on all his social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, all the regular channels, he's all over it. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Doing with a Sizz Dog. Oh, wow, wow. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Austin Powers Swinging School of Pickup Lines, where every student receives a genuine certificate of completion once they can master the art of love. Well, I've actually recorded a song with Ricky Ray, so I might... Can I send that to you mm-hmm. tomorrow or something like that? And you might be able to sort of whack it on at the front or anything or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That Thanks, will be man. perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Oh, gosh. Ricky Ray. Has he still got that, like, big mop of blonde hair on He's his still head? He's got a lion. He's a lion. <laughs> He's a lion. He's a lion. Yeah. <laughs> the whole family are. Have you seen the kids? His no, brother Shane. Really? We saw it, like, um, his brother Shane did some tour management for us for a while when Ricky couldn't do it. Yeah. And he's a front of house guy as well. And Susie's like, what does he look like? And you go, you'll know. Right? <laughs> when you see him. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they all have this big mop. I think the sister's got it the same. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty That's funny. fantastic. <laughs> oh, gosh. <clears throat> yeah, no. He's I, good. Yeah, he's helping me with some solo stuff. Oh, nice. Mm, which is really good. That's exciting. Yeah, it's good.
My my memories of Ricky Ray is of him playing drums in a band called Sneak. Yes. Um, and I know obviously he's a you know very well known recording engineer. He's done all the Electric Mary stuff um, and you know countless other acts over the years. But um, uh, as far as my personal experience with him, it's always just have been watching because I've never worked with him like recording wise. Right. Um, but um, yeah, seeing him play drums in Sneak back in the early noughties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Robinson and uh, Andy Andy Grant. Andy Grant. Yeah. Set of pipes on that bloke. Oh, seriously, man. isn't it funny? I've done a couple of cover gigs with him, and he's yeah, he's a star. That guy, he's a he, fucking star. He, he just kind of just somehow fell through the cracks. I don't know why or how, mm-hmm. but fuck, man, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, as far as singers go, because I'm a singer myself, it takes a lot to kind of wow me and go, wow, you know what I mean. Mm. And when I first saw Andy play. And it was just a covers gig in Richmond, you know. I didn't know who he was. had never heard of Sneak. I was maybe 20, 21 years old. I saw him play. I'm like, oh, great. This guy's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, great as in, I'll never be as good as this guy, yeah. but great also as in, I'm getting to see this guy play covers in Richmond. Like, what the fuck is going on, you know? Ridiculous. I'd love to have Andy on the pod. I'll get to everyone eventually, hopefully. Fant, I hope so. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. I'd like to hear his uh I'd love his to hear story. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I did that when I was a kid once, you know, or, you know, went door knocking or whatever, like knock on the door and then run away. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. It's part of growing up. Maybe that's all yeah. it was. Yeah. Fucking we used to kids. rock roofs. What? Put rocks on people's roofs back in the day. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Rocks on Stupid the board kids. Yeah. Because there was a lot of tin roofs up in Kalanibar where I grew up, you know really? what I mean? A lot, of, a lot of tin going on. Yeah. 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 We'd make a big crash on a Friday night. Shit. Oh. My mum was probably the... at home drinking wine, playing the organ. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and didn't know. Little yeah. Dave's out there raising hell. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I think the naughtiest thing I ever did as a kid, and I'm probably a bit too old to... I should have known better, but I think I was even a teenager. You'd go into the the um, cinemas and you get like these um, sticky lollies, hmm. and you'd suck on them for a little bit, and you put them on the chair next to you, and, and wait for someone just to come and sit down. Ah, oh. and they just get stick sticky lolly That's... on their bum, <laughs> and like I never forget well, this. It's a victimless crime in a way. <laughs> Except you know. for the bloke who's got a bloody lolly stuck to his heart. <laughs> and so this one time, I'll never forget, this bloke sat down and he had this, and he's like, oh, what the, who did this? And I pretended like, I was like, yeah, I know, someone did it to me too, you know? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and he's like, oh, those fuckers. Yeah, know, little bastards. Little yes. bastards. I'm like, in, inside, I'm like, that was totally me. I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> so if I ever sit down in the cinema and I've got a sticky bum, I've, I've, I certainly deserve it. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Karma. Mm. That's it.